Good morning. Thank you, Steve. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Second Chronicles. We're going to spend a little bit of time in chapter 26. Again, we'll do the same as we have been doing the last few meetings. We'll break it up into part one and part two just because too much to be said in, in a few minutes. Now, I know this may sound like a silly question, but which would you choose if you could? Success, mediocrity, or failure? I mean, I know it sounds like a a dumb question because who wants to be mediocre or who wants to fail we all want to succeed when it comes to family or when it comes to uh, in our personal lives in our professional lives but the irony and this is this is what we're going to be spending a little bit of time elaborating on today the irony is that the very success we all seek is the very thing that can destroy us we are all very familiar with the many stories that we hear and see on TV of people who have, certainly by the world standards, succeeded. We talk about them because they're the ones in the limelight. We talk about the actors and athletes and maybe politicians, people like that, even some businessmen. But not only are we informed about the fact that they have achieved, at least from the worldly standard, a measure of success, we often also hear the story of how their success opened them up to temptations that eventually either ruined them or killed them. The poet Emily Dickinson wrote, Success is counted sweetest by those who never succeed. You need to stop and think about that, that for a moment. The Scottish essayist Carlyle wrote this. He said, affliction is bad, but for every person that can handle prosperity, there are a hundred that can handle adversity. We're going to be spending time looking at King Uzziah today. And the life of King Uzziah illustrates Carlyle's point. Uzziah succeeded admirably. But his success, listen, seduced him into pride, pride itself being a sin, but his pride led to a sin that in a few moments, listen to me, nullified all of his achievements. Though he reigned for 52 years and had many outstanding accomplishments, he was remembered by the sad epitaph, and you can find this in Second Chronicles 26, 23. This was his epitaph. He was a leper. 
So Uzziah's life teaches us that the alluring danger of success is pride. And we all are vulnerable to that, regardless of what area of life, what sphere of life we're talking about. It could happen in any one of them, or it can happen in a number of them. So Uzziah's success, uh, and this is kind of the outline, the way the chronicler uh, gives us uh, the information about Uzziah's life. Uzziah's success is described in the first 15 verses of chapter 26. And then his downfall is, is chronicled in the last, or in verses 16 through 23 of chapter 26. And we're sort of going to follow that outline, the way the chronicler uh, captured the data. And we'll glean some lessons from each of those sections. Okay? So this morning, in the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to look at the first 15 verses. We're going to look at his good years and get some principles out of that. First of all, success is a tremendous good if it comes from the Lord and it is used for the Lord and for his purposes. Okay? Now, in order to realize that, we have to understand this. First of all, success in the truest sense because we have a bad definition, we often work with a bad definition of the word success. We have often allowed our culture to give us definitions that are inconsistent with the way scripture define, defines things. Success in its truest sense comes only from the Lord. Certainly not the way the world would interpret or define success, but it's the way the scriptures define success. You can be very successful by the way the world gauges success, but God may not and does not necessarily accept that as a success. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uzziah was definitely hardworking. He was a visionary king. In verse 5, uh, we see, at least verse 5 makes it clear, that the source of his success was not his effort or genius, but the Lord. Listen to what the verse says. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God, as long as he sought the Lord, underline that, as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. You see the definition there? Or at least part of the definition? Uzziah's success, clearly from what we just read, was due to his seeking God and his word. Remember, we've talked about the word seek, and we've, we've I've reminded you two or three times what we meant by seek. That word seek, again, is, is, is the same word that we have seen in earlier studies, which meant to trample underfoot. Remember? It's, it's the idea of creating that path because we continually travel it. 
is sort of the thing that is sort of the idea that Scripture gives us about about Uzziah. He had sought, he had created this path that he had walked off in, and it's what clearly the Scripture says made him successful. It allowed him to be blessed by God, and therefore God prospered him. To seek the Lord means going to him for his wisdom and help. So often that you literally wear a path. Now, Uzziah did that. He followed Solomon's counsel, which we find today in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight that's what Uzziah was doing he had taken that counsel and he was applying it to his own life Isaiah, you recall in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, Isaiah, whose calling to ministry began in the year that King Uzziah died. In chapter 8 of, of Isaiah, he criticized the people because they were consulting mediums and spiritists. And he said rather that the people ought to, he said, and I quote, should not, should not a people consult their God? So he was being critical of the people of Israel because they were doing what they shouldn't be doing. They weren't doing what Uzziah was doing, seeking the Lord. Now, the source of God's wisdom is his word. Now, I understand that when Uzziah lived, he didn't have a complete Bible like we hold today. But he no doubt at least had the law of Moses. He probably had Job and the Psalms and probably a few other portions of the Old Testament. In addition to what he had, those writings, the scripture also says that he had a godly counselor called Zechariah. That particular Zechariah is only talked about here. Who had understanding in the visions or fear of God. Uzziah listened to the counsel of this mentor or spiritual advisor who understood God's word. Remember we talked about the danger, maybe last week or the week before, the danger of us going to the people who will validate or justify what we want. Validate it or justify it. That wasn't the case, at least at this point, for Uzziah. He sought the Lord through his word, whatever written word he had at the time, and then he sought the advice of a godly man, Zechariah. So through God's word and prayer, Uzziah sought God, and the scripture says God prospered him. Can I say that that kind of success, that kind of prosperity, is the only kind of success and prosperity that matters, right? Which makes us, or at least makes me think from time to time, because I get caught up 
in the things of life. I become busy. And I have to stop myself and say, is what you're so busy with, does it really matter? Is it from the Lord? Should I continue pursuing or investing myself in it? And I have to remind myself of the biblical definition of success in contrast to the worldly definition of success, which we inadvertently end up chasing from time to time. The only kind of success and prosperity that matters is this kind of success and prosperity. When you live by seeking God and His wisdom through His word and prayer. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of men, or the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not, leaves do not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. Isn't that consistent with what we saw in the life of at least the initial years of, of Uzziah's uh, uh, reign? And just to elaborate on something that I said just a moment ago, uh, I'll add that though some are successful in the eyes of the world, even in the Christian world, doesn't necessarily mean that they're successful in the eyes of God. It doesn't necessarily mean that God shares that opinion. Hmm? Now others, on the other hand, may be considered failures or nobodies by the world, even in the Christian world. But God considers them eminently successful. Are you successful in anything? And you are. I mean, again, success doesn't, need, doesn't mean you're famous or rich. Are you, have you been very good at something? Have you accomplished or achieved anything? And by whose definition are you saying it is good? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's the world's opinion, right? Now, if, if, if God grants a measure of success, there's two things we need to realize. First of all, success is to be used for the benefit of, uh, well, the first one was that, that, that success, or at least the true definition of success, um, uh, is the, the biblical definition of success, and secondly, that success needs to be used for the glory or the benefit of the Lord and others. Look at Isaiah, quick, uh, look at Second Chronicles chapter 26. Let's look at uh, verses 2 through 10 really quick. 
He built Eloth and he restored it to Judah after the, kings, uh, the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding through the vision of God and as long as he sought the Lord God had prospered him. Now he went out and, war, and, and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabneh and the wall of Ashdod and he built cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gorbal and the uh, Meonites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah and his fame, listen, and his fame, where am I? Extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and the valley gate and at the corner buttress and, the fortifi and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns and he had much livestock both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the, uh, in the hill country and fertile fields for he loved the soil. Clearly, he had accomplished a great deal. And we see a list of accomplishments here. We know too from this uh, 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 or later on in verse 13 we find that he had a strong army for he could wage war with great power is what the verse says, verse 13. In addition to the traditional weapons, Uzziah installed the latest military hardware in Jerusalem and those are described in verse 16 or verse 15 they were great catapults and arrow shooting devices so as a result we read twice in verse 8 and in verse 15 of his widespread fame he became great he was very successful he prospered again why because he sought the Lord. Whenever God grants that kind of success and fame to a person, it should be used for the Lord and for his purposes. Fame is simply an opportunity to tell more people of the greatness of God. Is that how we use it? And again, let me define fame because we're thinking of superstars. If somebody respects you and likes you and trusts you at home, at work, in your neighborhood, you have fame. You've been given an opportunity to use that fame for God's benefit and the benefit of others. 
It also provides an opening to do more of the Lord's work and for his people to see those ways established. George, I don't know if you, all of you are familiar with George Washington Carver, but he said that the only advantage of fame is that it gives you a platform, listen, for service. Is that how I see it? And although viewed on a secular level, Irma Bombeck cuts to the heart of this when she says, and I quote, don't confuse fame with success. Madonna is one. Helen Keller is the other. See the difference? So we ought to view any measure of success that God gives us wherever that might be and however that may look as a trust to be managed for his glory and kingdom. And let me close by just saying this as an introduction for the, for the 11 o'clock meeting. The hinge of the story is at the end of verse 15 of chapter 26. Look at verse 15. I'll read the whole verse, but the hinge is, is towards the end. In Jerusalem he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stone. Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelous helped, now listen, don't, don't, here's where, where it all changes. Listen, he was marvelously helped until, underline that word, until he was strong. What's, what just happened here? What just happened? Success went to his head. And the very, that very thing which he accomplished became the very thing that would take him down because he allowed himself to take his eyes off of him who made him successful, who prospered him, and he started taking credit for it. It happens all the time. And it's probably happened to all of us in some sphere of life. And we need to be very careful about that. Sort of the point of Uzziah's story is the allurement of success. Success is good and it can be tremendously used as long as success is properly defined and kept in perspective. What it is and what it's meant for. That's where we lose it. And that's where we're going to see Uzziah sort of lost it. Okay? Let's close. Father, we thank you again for the stories that we can read of men and women whose lives are captured in, in the pages of Scripture and whose successes or failures can teach us something and help us to apply certain principles to our own 
life and our own walk with you that will help us remain faithful, focused, never losing sight of the very purpose for which you saved us, for which you have equipped us, for which you have called us, and for which you have sent us out for. We are yours. We have been purchased at a great price. We do not belong to ourselves. We are yours to be used by you as you see fit. May we be one faithful in making ourselves available for use and to improperly doing what we need to do to equip ourselves so that we might experience a measure of success as defined by you in life for the sole purpose of using that success to bring you glory and to help others, either Christians as they grow in their faith or unbelievers to bring them to faith in Christ. We love you, Lord. We give you all the praise. We are grateful for the fact that you have loved us in such a way that our minds and our hearts cannot fully comprehend. But we certainly apprehend it. And we certainly know there too because the spirit of the living God has validated those things to our spirit. We have experienced your love. We don't speak of it theoretically. We speak of it experientially, which is all the difference in the world. We give you all the praise and glory in the name of Christ. Amen.